Welcome again to Back to the Future Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie Back to the Future Part 2, one repetitive minute at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Nick Jimenez in the news. And joining us uh, for a very similar minute to the last time she was on, uh, H. Dasso, returning champion. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me again. I was going to say I'm starting to have deja vu, but not for the obvious reasons. I <laughs> Some of the footage that's in, in these minutes we're covering, I covered last time, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, now you get it from a different angle. Um, so uh, we are talking about minute 101 which begins with Marty reading Dear Marty and ends with Doc. <laughs> Sounds like the weirdest like Nicholas Sparks book ever. <laughs> Marty reading Dear Marty. Dear Marty. Um, <laughs> and ends with Doc plugging the cables together as the lightning strikes the clock tower. Uh, so yeah, so a couple of interest, couple of meta things to talk about real quick. Sure. Uh, that, that I find fascinating. So number one, minute 101 was the first minute of the last movie that AJ was on. So AJ is on the exact same minute that she was on the last movie, which also means that this moment is happening at the exact same moment that it happened in the last movie. Ooh. Both of these, this, now I will say there, there's a little bit of minute 100 because this sequence is a little truncated, uh, than how it was portrayed in the first movie. Mm -hmm. But this, the, the bit that it ends on of him plugging in the cables that happens in minute 101 of back to the future. And what's even Um, weirder about this is, um, this wasn't planned because, you know, a little bit of behind the scenes, uh, info on our show uh, we've done several, uh, like rejiggering of, of co-hosts because of schedules and stuff. So this was like not the original plan. Right. Yeah. So this is uh really cool. How this all worked out. And coincidence when it happens like this. I'm actually pretty pleased about that. Yeah, there are. No and I'm glad and I'm uh, and I'm really glad to have you, AJ, on these particular minutes, because this is these these last three minutes of the movie, because you're you're closing down the movie. Uh, these last three minutes are all about Marty and Doc's friendship, like a hundred percent. It's about nothing else. <laughs> right. um, which you are a, 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 a big proponent of. So. Um, we're, we're happy to have you back for this. Thanks. Absolutely. Uh, so first of all, um, Don't we really need to talk about, fate, Scott. yeah, we really need to talk about, uh, reading old letters in the rain. Like, why are you doing this? Also, this <laughs> cringes. I mean, as someone who's worked with, um, basically medieval documents in academia, every time I see this scene, it's like nails on a chalkboard to watch. <laughs> oh man. And then, and and it's not even because I mean it's not like the paper was well protected. It was in that thing, that little wind up, whatever, that little con- old style envelope container thing um, with the string around it. But that's not uh-huh. exactly airtight. No, and that ink is faded. I mean, you can barely read it as it is, yeah. and it's getting wet. Like, and, are you kidding me? I mean, these documents would have started to disintegrate almost on impact with the rain. And by you know, he has them out oh, yeah. of that umbrella for so long that it's completely implausible. But that this is the thing I'm fixating on, given everything else that's implausible in these films, is kind of ridiculous. 
I mean, yeah. and, and those Western Union guys, they probably weren't keeping it like under glass. They were, it was probably at the very bottom of a shelf. It was probably just in somebody's desk drawer. Like, hey, you want to see something crazy? Yeah. This kind of reminds me, um, one of my favorite novels is Good Omens by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. And there's oh, yeah. At the very end of um, Good Omens where a delivery man brings a book that's been shot away with his firm for centuries until they can deliver it to um, a couple of characters. Um, and it's very similar. You um, you just start to wonder, like, who's had bets with whom over what's in that box and has anybody tried to open it and has anybody read it? Um, but it just the, the parallel between these two stories given that I'm a huge fan of both. It's always, it's always amused me a great deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was, uh, I was lucky enough to get my copy of good omens, uh, mm-hmm. signed by, by Neil Gaiman, uh, about signed by both. Oh, good. Oh my God. I was just about to yeah. say like, that's one of my, one of my biggest book nerd regrets is that I was unable to get, uh, oh, to get Pratchett's signature before he passed. Um, yeah, I uh, I have I have the uh, Good Omens audio drama on my Audible account uh, ready to listen to, but I haven't. I oh, haven't is that the yet. one that like just came out? Yeah, the radio it's, play. They did such a great job with it. Oh, good, good, good. Who's in that? Yeah, because it's it's uh, it's Peter Serafinowicz and as the uh, devil or the angel. I always forget who who voiced as the devil as, as the devil, okay. and then the angel is played by I forget the actor's name, but he's the weirdo artist that lives downstairs oh, in space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. interesting. They, but they got two Edgar Wright alumni. Yeah. Yep. He who laughs last laughs loudest. <laughs> um. Sorry. So, uh, I. I need to talk. I love how nosy the Western Union guy is. I mean, I don't blame him, but <laughs> it's fascinating. All of it. He, yeah, he just does not care. He's like, no, I'm going to read this over your shoulder and check out what this is, because it's been in my desk for like 10 years. And before that, it was in another guy's desk for 20 years. And before yeah. that, it was in another guy's desk for 20 years. I need to know what this stupid thing is. Men have died. He's not a lunatic either. He just what he says is, do you need help? Yeah, right, that's true. Yeah, um, I don't know if it's open mindedness. He's flabbergasted, but at least he's he's not saying I'm going to take you and lock you up. I'm going to try to help you. I don't know. He he seems like he he's interested enough that he would have gladly like gone along with Marty just to see where this would lead. Oh hell yeah! I mm-hmm. I would I would I would be so down for. I mean, as a kid growing up, whenever I watch movies about like people that are reluctantly going on adventures, <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? This would totally. <laughs> override whatever else oh, i had to do today i just had the most amazing idea what if <laughs> what if marty was like instead of saying there's only one man that could help me what if he would have been like yeah come on, come give on me ride downtown and then they go downtown and he goes with them back to 1885 mm-hmm. and becomes the guy that doc gives the letter to that would have been awesome and it like oh. it does like a it does a complete circle. So like on that third on that part three poster, instead of Mary Steenburgen behind Doc, <laughs> it's just that guy. It's the, it's the Western Union guy. Oh, I would have loved that so much. Is he? Is he given a name? Sidekick. Yeah. Is he even given a name in this movie? I don't think. So. Just, I don't think so. That's even better. I think he's just Western Union guy. That's awesome. I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, so w- one thing, um, cause this was something else, uh, from last time AJ was on, cause AJ came on specifically, uh, to defend Marty's honor in the last movie. Um, sure. and 
what I think is interesting about this is that this letter is three pages long and we know why in the next movie, because it's got the map to where to find the DeLorean, how to fix the DeLorean, because Doc knows that his 1955 counterpart isn't going to know all the things that he needs um, to fix it. So all of that is included in that letter. But presumably also in that letter is Doc telling Marty, go find my 1955 self. Give him these two things that you're probably not going to understand. He'll fix you up and get you back to 1985. But Marty gets the idea to go talk to the other Doc 100% on his own because he only reads two lines. And as soon as he gets to 1885, he's like, I know exactly who I got to talk to. He's too excited. He's gone from despairing to elated in about, what, three seconds? So I yeah. can't blame him. I mean, you know, I can't blame him for not reading through to the end. Yeah. I mean, he went from positively screwed in his mind to like, oh, my God. Yeah, I know exactly what to do now. Mm hmm. But I really love that about Marty yeah. because because it shows that he's grown in his understanding of the four dimensions of time travel. Yeah. And that, you know, the Marty in the first movie would never have been able to put all of that together. But having gone, you know, to 1955, back to 85, to 2015, to an alternate universe, back to 1955, he's starting to really get the hang of time travel, almost more so than Doc, because Doc's understanding of time travel up to up to the end of the last movie was all theoretical. Well, at this stage, Marty has more experience of it than, than Doc does, than 1955 right. Doc, and his, his crisis response reflex is getting better, and he also now knows that 1955 Doc can help him with the right amount of coaching. Yeah, he's kind of the he, I mean, in the in the world of this movie, he's arg he's inarguably the most experienced time travel in yeah, the universe. <laughs> he really is. I mean, theoretically, in the multiverse, there could be there could be another time traveler somewhere. Sure. Roaming around uh, that we never see or hear from because who knows what happens in the future. Mm -hmm. But uh, but yeah, I mean, as far as what we know of what how time travel exists in this universe absolutely like marty is uh just non-stop traveling through time like a like a maniac um and i, I yeah so i i was just i i really i love that as soon as he read 1885 it was just like okay i know where he is and i know who can help me to go find there's him. only one man alive who can help yeah me Oh, I love that. Well, that's an eerie line considering there's only one man alive and then what they find in the graveyard and the next. I, I guess I shouldn't be covering going there, but it's, it's sure, sure. an eerie line in light of that. It is. Well, but, you know, at the same time, it's like, I mean, yeah, they do. They, they find that. But it, and yeah. yes, he was shot. And we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about that in the next movie. But he would be dead either way. Right. <laughs> shot or not so um can you, you imagine know. if it had cut to instead of like um which is a great like fist pump moment by the way like the cut there's only one man alive you can help me now cut to like <laughs> that iconic shot of doc from part one but what yeah. if it had cut to like a 129 year old man like in the <laughs> old folks home, Marty, uh, oh. you came 
<laughs> I can't die. I can't die, Marty. <laughs> I've tried so hard. All those things I did in the future really messed up my I body. I can't. I don't think I'm supposed to die. <laughs> I also think that Doc does live a very long time, thanks to all those enhancements he went through in um, well, what becomes an alternate 2015. That he, that he, I bet he could make it to 120. Oh, he's fine. He's like, yeah, he, he's like he's like Zoe Quinn. He's like a cyborg now. You you you'd like to think so because I mean that was the whole reason that they did that. I mean you know there were two reasons. One reason being that obviously Christopher Lloyd didn't want to be wearing the old age makeup through the entire production. Sure. But also because Bob Gale knew that he would end up with Clara and wanted an explanation as to why this 70 year old would end up with this, you know, 30, 30 year old woman. I mean, his lifespan wouldn't be that long. So he wanted to find a way to expand his lifespan so that, Doc could have a happily ever after with Clara. What's interesting to me about Clara is that she's always read to me as like in her 40s. I don't know. I never read her as 30. Yeah, well, it's always hard to tell because Mary Steenburgen like just looks just looks the same. She's looked the same age for like 40 years. She's amazing. In fact, I think she looks even more amazing now. Have you seen pictures of her lately? Oh, yeah. She was on uh, she was on Justified just recently Mm -hmm. and she looked great. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. and it, it, it's almost kind of nice of Bob Gale to be like, oh, well, a 30-year-old woman wouldn't be, I mean, like, now, and if they were to remake Back to the Future Part 3 now, like, you know, Clara would be played by Bella Thorne. Right. It's nice to be, um, to be open-minded about age differences, period. You know, this guy can have a friend who's 17, 18, this guy can have mm-hmm. interest who's in her 30s or 40s, I don't know, it just, it shows a lot of, it's very even-handed on their part. Yeah, well, and I think Doc as a person uh, is socially uh yeah yeah she he's a little socially immature uh, uh, as opposed to all of his other facilities but his his social stuff is very immature um and not in a bad way it's just you know he relates more to younger people because they have dreams and aspirations and older people tend to give up on that stuff and he never did yeah he sort of has that like family that probably Mm-hmm. He, he's been free of a lot of the obligations that tend to wear to wear some people down. So, mm-hmm. yeah, like he's sort of a he's he's almost kind of Pee Wee Herman like in a way because he's he's been at, he like no one has ever asked him to to grow up. Like you know, like the thing like what makes us have to grow up? It's it's like a significant other that I have to care for and like you know and be responsible for. And then it's children that like, oh I can't be a kid anymore because I have to you know, make sure these kids can like eat and they're becoming good people. But like Doc mm-hmm. really only ever cares for like dogs and Marty. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what else uh, Pee Wee and Doc have in common? Yeah. Amazing breakfast machines. <laughs> amazing breakfast <laughs> machines. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so I think that's about all I have for this minute, because I mean, you know, the, a good 20 seconds of it is, uh, you know, a repeat of last time. So, um, what do you guys have know. to say about, um, the news? I, I added this to the Twitter thing a little while ago, but, uh, they're, they are making new DeLoreans. Really? Uh, yeah, they, uh, they started production on those, I think earlier this year. Let's hope they've improved on the old model. There were so many things with that car that went wrong. <laughs> 
I think they said that they actually did, that it's mostly just the body that they kept. Yeah, they were like, it's going to look like the classic DeLorean, but of course it's going to be an improved uh, uh, innards. Aren't there there Teslas that have gullwing doors, kind of like DeLoreans do? I've seen pictures of them. Oh, maybe. That would be cool. Yeah, they're uh, they're retailing, they're estimating that it's going to go for about 100 grand. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, DeLoreans weren't cheap in the 80s either, so. Nope. <laughs> cheap, not not cheap and not good, the DeLorean way. Yep. <laughs> hey, are they producing them in uh, Belfast again this time, or are they being produced stateside? I, I, I always found that interesting that they were, the, the originals were manufactured in Belfast. I'm pretty sure, I, I, if I remember correctly, they're being manufactured in Texas. Oh. I think. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, that makes sense because that's where Ernie Klein lives. <laughs> he's. You think he's responsible he's single, somehow? He's single-handedly. Uh, that'd be great. He's, uh, he's building them all by himself. I'm doing it. <laughs> he's got that Armada money. Yeah. Well, that's true. When Steven Spielberg's directing uh, your book, that's uh, you're gonna get a lot of money from that. Um. Yeah. So uh, that, I think that's all I got. Do you guys have anything else? Not that's everything I had. I, I was afraid I was going to end up ranting for about 10 minutes about the old letter in the rain, but I, I managed to restrain myself on that. <laughs> Nick? Uh, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. It, it would be kind of funny just to, like, just see it, like, just drooping in his hands, you know, just becoming, like, liquid. Just in the way that paper does. It starts to tear. Shred. Ugly. But yeah, I'm good. okay um so we will be back tomorrow with minute 102 the penultimate minute of the movie uh of the movie movie obviously we still have credits uh but in the meantime you can go to the website duelinggenre.com that's our website where you can find our other podcasts uh like the doctor's companion our doctor who podcast and geek by night our original audio drama uh you can go check those out and uh, also check out our Patreon at DuelingGenre.com slash support, uh, where if you support us at the $5 a month level or higher, you can get Back to the Future Minute, No Roads Edition, uh, the weekend edition of the podcast. We do it every weekend, and we will continue doing it through the hiatus that we will be taking and, and thoroughly enjoying this time. Um, but uh, yeah, so if you still want to hear us uh, every week at least, uh, go go check that out and uh, maybe maybe uh, subscribe to our Patreon and get the No Roads edition. And uh, yeah, you can go to duelinggenre.com slash merch, get t-shirts, that sort of thing. And of course, we're on Twitter and Tumblr and Facebook. Leave iTunes reviews. That's always helpful. And a special thanks to our Patreon associate producer, Leaper182. And we'll be back tomorrow with Minute 102.